0: Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil and you're listening to Longbox Heroes.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 445 of Longbox Heroes. Joe being joined by Todd today. Todd, how we doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm proud, Joe. Stand proud.
1: All right. Be brave as well. <laughs> I will. Okay. So uh, I did want to mention, before we get into what the show is, I'm learning more stuff from uh, hearing other better podcasters, radio-type people, and so forth. Just broadcasters. Let's call them broadcasters. Okay. Um, how can I point this? Instead of when we talk on the show saying, I, I don't think we do it, but now I'm conscious not to do it to address our listenership as everyone. Okay. If we just talk like we're talking, it's as though they're part of the conversation that we're having. Right. By addressing our audience as everyone, it makes them not feel exclusive.
0: Okay. So you mean when we open the show not to do it? Cuz that's right. usually
1: the only place that we do it. Right. That's the only place that we do it, but other parts of the show don't do it. You're okay. welcoming everyone like now obviously if we specifically knew that our podcast was only listened to in the greater Kentuckiana area, mm-hmm. we would say, welcome, you know, hello, Kentuckiana area, and welcome to Longbox Heroes. It makes okay. sense in my head.
0: All right. I just want to know what the etiquette is on tagging your podcast and everything. That's all. So
1: in the news today, <laughs> I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Uh, we have DC News, more so of how they're going to be collecting those Walmart books, uh, what they're doing with the digital books. They're going to be available over on the DC Universe uh, streaming uh, service. What constitutes a first <laughs> appearance and how? And the least surprising news story of this week.
0: wonder what that could be.
1: Uh, We have conventions, of course, to discuss going on this weekend all over the world. We have digital sales and freebies. and Ooh, let me double-check to see if they button hooked me on the freebies like they typically do. Excuse me. Uh, What we read this past week, and it's an all-Marvel bonanza with War of the Realms, number one. Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man (laughs) 18.0. And Major X, number
0: one. (laughs) woo
1: Uh, we also have uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd's Art Attack, if there was any of those, and reviews of the most recent episode of Legends of Tomorrow and the smash film sensation, Shazam. Mm. So Todd, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way before we begin. Okay. I'm going to let you, Todd, guess what books, issue number 10, has been delayed yet another week.
0: Just like clockwork, doomsday clockwork. Is it doomsday clock number Uh, 10?
1: What's going on?
0: I don't know. Hey, I don't think it's going to come out by November, but that's because this is the podcast after WrestleMania, and I say things that I don't mean, and you say things. No, I don't know. I... I, (laughs) I think this is the last week it gets pushed back. <laughs>
1: Joe. I'm going to isolate that clip. There's a guy I follow on Twitter who sends out like in context quotes of people saying ridiculous things about the world of sports and entertainment. Right. I'm going to figure out how to do that to get your clips of you saying things about Doomsday Clock not coming out on time. How <laughs> oh, this is the last time it'll be delayed. And just like an emoji of like someone laughing at you or something. I don't know.
0: L- listen, Joe. One of these times, yep. I'm gonna be right. That's mm. <laughs> like you know, you, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Right.
1: Now I will say this: I, I did mention this to you at the shop uh, this past week, and I know that the way that the shipping schedules and the order sheets and all that sort of stuff comes out. Uh, my dream in life is to be recording this show. And get the announcement of a delay while we're recording.
0: Oh, it can be like Red Fox and Sanford and Son. This is the big
1: one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the the big thing about this specific delay is that the cutoff for the orders of this book mm-hmm. is this weekend, which
0: may I mean may factor in because then. I don't know how all that works, whether it becomes returnable
1: or not. You know what I mean? Right. So. And I also noticed on the diamond list for this week, what's coming out in stores today, it has a bunch of like second or whatever printings it is, um, like a bunch of reprints of the first three issues of Doomsday Clock, and they all say final printing. That's because they don't want too
0: many on the shelf when the hardcover comes out in November. <laughs> they want people to buy the
1: hardcover. <laughs> The hardcover's coming out in November, Todd. That's right, because
0: what they're going to do is they're going to have it ready to come right out after 12. So it's ready for Christmas. So so the good little boys and girls who have been good all year get
1: their doomsday clock under the tree on December 25th. You now, have time to buy it, Joe. Now I want to just note for the record that Todd is saying uh, November and December, but he's not including a year in that. He's not saying 2019. Oh, just so mean. that he can come back to me. He's like, I never said this year. I said Let's November. My... I just didn't say which November.
0: Sorry, let me get my ringtone maker all <laughs> ready to cut that
1: out. Oh, my goodness. So, Todd, and, and you like to think that this will be the last delay. This such a, such last. a sweet, naive young man you are. All right. Now, I'm just going to say. All right. I think this is going
0: to be the last delay for 10. <laughs> obviously <laughs> there's going to be a few delays for 11 because what does it come out like the week after?
1: Well, if it's okay. on schedule, it comes out the week after 11, comes three out. weeks after. All right. I don't think they're going to make that. No, you don't think schedule. so. You know what? I'll
0: go on record. I'll go out on that <laughs> show and say that 11 might not come out three weeks after 10. That's all. That's all. How about
1: I'm three say. months. Will you give me three months. You know what? I'll give you three months. So, again, as we had, you know, uh, discussed, if there are, this is the last delay for 10, and 10 sticks to the current shipping schedule, which is three months in between issues, then that means issue 12 should be out the first week of November.
0: So I got three weeks leeway, boy.
1: Right. Woo! Got a lot of wiggle room there, Todd. Tons of rope to hang myself with. Yeah, you like those odds, huh?
0: Those are eight odds right there.
1: No, those are terrible odds. I just closed something that I don't think I should have, but anyway.
0: Uh, Your mind?
1: (laughs) Is that what it is? To the fact that Doomsday Clock will be out on time in November? No, I think I'm good. Okay, so uh, just getting back to some positive stuff for DC. We talked last week about them updating the DC Universe subscription service to put the digital books on there and they're working faster and furiouser to get that stuff up there. Excuse me. So they have announced that pretty much everything pre-Crisis on Infinite Earth that's currently digital is being put up on DC Universe this week. So it's not like we're adding new stuff that we've never had before digitally but if it was printed before 1986, and it's currently available digitally, in other places. It's all going up there. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, unfortunately, it's ne- it's like all scattershot shot and all random stuff all over the place. But because they've done so much like Batman and Superman and Action Comics and Detective Comics, there's big chunks of that that are going to be available. Like you're going to get like Detective Comics like 340 to 540, right? Mm-hmm. you're going to get, like, the first run of Hawkman. You're going to get, like, a big chunk of House of Mystery stuff. Um, a lot of stuff like that. You're getting big chunks of Legion. You're getting big chunks, as I mentioned before, of Superman and Supergirl. Action comics, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Flash, you're getting, like, from one one oh five to 340. Uh, so it's Which a is, lot of, uh, sorry. That
0: 105 to 340 is almost the whole run.
1: Right. So, again, if it already exists digitally, it's going up this week. And I think they said it's something like 3,000 books. Um, And they said that they hope to have 10,000 available by the end of the year.
0: And I hope that they eventually get – because I think it would be cool because it doesn't cost you anything to make a book digitally. Mm -hmm. Just do everything. You know what I mean? Have a complete library. Right. You know, get all that little stuff like, alright, you're not gonna do some of the weird side stuff in, in trades or hardcovers. But hey, this is everything we've ever done. And I'm like, I, that to me, that's plausible. So I hope they eventually get around to that. Right.
1: Now, the other thing we had talked uh, a week or two ago about the collections, uh, hardcover collections of the Walmart stories, essentially the big one, Jabat Man your Wonder Woman, that they were gonna have hardcovers out by the end of the year. However, preceding those, uh, hardcovers are going to be individuals, floppies, single issues of each of those. They're gonna be six issue miniseries, as this is, uh, that start in July.
0: Right, because as we said, each issue of the Walmart issues of the new story has 12 pages, so they're 12 parts long. You end up having, you put you know, two 12-page stories in it. That's one comic. It turns a 12- into a six-issue miniseries, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, but like I said, in in a weird way, I still have to have those first, you know, those, those actual issues, the 12-page stories for $4.99. But I'll probably pick up the ones that I didn't in these floppies I picked up the Wonder Woman because Jonah Hex is in it yep. I didn't pick up the Batman or the Superman for Bendis's story other than the, the, the Jonah Hex appearances and I didn't get the Tom King Superman story which I really wanted for four ninety nine. but these floppies from the comic shop I'll probably pick up these stories now
1: right and a lot of the July solicitation stuff is coming out and we'll get into some of the other uh July stuff that we saw here today but uh, just so that you can keep your eyes peeled for them. Wonder Woman is called Wonder Woman Come Back to Me. Uh the Batman is Batman Universe and Superman is called Up in the Sky. They're all six issue mini series as it is. And uh yeah, I forgot that the Wonder Woman is by uh, Amanda and Jimmy. Amanda Connor and Jim- Amanda Connor, and Jimmy Palmiotti.
0: And a, and an an okay artist I heard.
1: He's not credited here, but yes. Uh, uh, I don't know if he does the whole. Did he do the whole series or just some?
0: No, of them? he was originally. I think it was Chris Harden, mm. who yes, was. Yes. He did, like, the first issue and then, like, maybe some of another issue. And then Tom is doing, like, ten of them. Mm. <laughs> of the, you know, so. Right. And,
1: and as I mentioned, you know, some of the July solicitations are coming out now. We're not even halfway through the month, but. Uh one of the notable ones on the Marvel side, and there was a bunch, is that Mark Wade is going to be doing an Invisible Woman miniseries. Yes. Uh and you know, and again this July miniseries, so on and so forth. Uh and they're saying that this is the first time that she's ever had her own solo book.
0: I can't think of her ever having a solo book. Right. I don't even—I don't even remember her having like those four-issue minis like Nightcrawler had back in the day. Uh huh. So.
1: Well, they typically I, did that just for like ex-adjacent folks, right? Yeah, but I think like you know Wonder Man had his mini, and you know what I mean. Yeah, but wasn't it like Wonder Man and Beast maybe like a shared thing?
0: I think Wonder Man had his own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'd have to go and look through. Uh, some of this, but, uh, I know that they had some interesting, I know Hawkeye had his own four issue mini.
1: He's had tons of them. Right. So like, you know, he was an Avenger, not an X guy. Yeah, that's true. So, but, uh, you know, our friend Josh was like the first one that I saw kind of put this out on uh, social media. And of course we digged in before we started recording, uh, the Mark Wade, uh, Mike Waringo run on fantastic four underrated. So Mark yes. Wade doing this, I think, is uh, what has my excitement up on this.
0: I agree. I, that Mark Wade is an okay writer.
1: Yes, he does some good comic books. Yes. Now, <clears throat> let's get into, uh, I guess, the other big Marvel story from this past week, and uh, you know we'll be talking about the book itself a little bit later on. So, uh, War of the Realms was the book we were most looking forward to coming out this past week. Of course, the big Marvel. Uh, spring event book, as they have been wont to do over the last three or four years, and having Jason Aaron at the helm, of course, obviously going to put that at the top of the list. However, if uh, War of the War of the Realms was not coming out this past week, the book I would have been most looking forward to would have been Major X. Now, I'm not much of an X person, but I am a person of the Rob, Uh being Rob Liefeld. I Rob is a divisive person. Uh, a lot of people don't like Rob, and the people that do like Rob really like him. I find him to be one of the most fascinating creators in all of comic history. hmm So this is his return to Marvel, doing a full-time book, and it's just a mini-series that he's writing and doing the art in. Now, your mileage may vary, regarding rob's art and or writing style i know dc had given him a bunch of stuff during the new 52 and rob got out there and he was beating feet and he was doing interviews and he was really pushing those books and he talked me into the door to try those books and they weren't very good right. um, but so we're the con and we'll get into our discussion about major x a little bit later on during the what we read uh last week's section of the of the uh the show, but this is more so about the first appearance of the character Major X right mm-hmm. so uh Rob has major X number one coming out uh had a bunch of variant covers they're selling for x y z uh Rob also had exclusive variant covers that he commissioned himself through Marvel of Deadpool number ten uh which. Uh, Rob had nothing to do with, but I guess is somehow tangentially related to Major X in some way. I think it's just so Rob could sell a Deadpool comic with his character on the cover.
0: And sold them exclusively signed through his website for a hundred bucks a piece.
1: Okay. However, in between, before Major X number one came out, before Deadpool number 10 came out, in an issue of Spider-Man Deadpool number 7, in some sort of big galaxy warping scene, way in the background, kind of obscured by a person's arm, is Major X. So Rob takes to Twitter and says... Let me tell you, Spider-Man Deadpool 47 is no way the first appearance of Major X. It came out a week after Deadpool 10. I'm giving it notice by mentioning it here, but I will never, ever sign a single copy. Deadpool 10 came out a week before as I anticipated a clown move like this. People! Don't understand why I don't, why I love Rob so much. Right. To take such great offense over something like this. To which in turn, <laughs> uh, Matt Horak, who was the, uh, uh, the artist on Deadpool 47, uh, commented, Not trying to clown, I just liked the design and was told I could use whomever I wanted in the story. I had no idea it would be in the stores before Major X. I just wanted to pay tribute, no offense meant And then he continues to say, I said elsewhere, but I'll say it again, not clowning, just like the character, and thought it would be a cool Easter egg to throw in. Had no idea it would see print before Major X number one. No harm intended. I love Rob. Bummed that anyone would think it was malicious in any way.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (sighs) Mm-hmm. So, Todd, I ask you. Right. Where do you come down on this controversy?
0: Okay, now... (laughs) There's a lot going on here because, as we discussed before, with those DC Walmart books and other books, like what's the first appearance of someone? And I don't care what someone tells you the first appearance is. The uh, the, the 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 people, the comic retailers, or just the industry. Uh, or the marketplace will tell you what the first appearance is because certain characters, you know, have like cameos and that's considered the first appearance. Then like, no, it's their first full appearance. Those Walmart books, you know, Ginny Hex is her first appearance is in uh, young justice. Number one, but it was out in the Walmart books before that. And the, the editor didn't know that. And the writer didn't know that was coming up. And they, people don't acknowledge that, that Walmart book. They say, Young Justice number one by Bendis is her first appearance. So I would say as this is coming out that like, and I was of the mind, all right, Bendis, uh, not Bendis, Liefeld, that cover was his first appearance. We'll give it to Liefeld because he created the character. He's writing and he's drawing him. But then Rob pulled the power move and got like all about it. And I'm like forever. And ever, and I like Rob. I I completely changed my stance on him when I met him at a show, and I have my photo with him, um, Mark photo with him because he was a nice guy. But from here on out, whenever I mention Major X, I will go the character Major X, whose first appearance was in Spider-Man: Deadpool number forty-seven. Mm-hmm. That's the way I'm going to look at it, and that's the way I'm going to push the narrative, just because. The, the way he, the way he acted. Now, if there was some way that he lost creator rights because it came out first, then I'd be in his corner. But I have a feeling Rob's going to get all the money from this. And this other guy isn't going to get anything. Um, and And it's all going to work out in Rob's favor somehow. <laughs> And the other thing that I did hear through the grapevine is that a lot of those first appearance covers that Rob had, that Rob did didn't find their way to the retailers. Oh, okay. And now, wow. The only place you can get them is off his website for a hundred bucks a piece. Kind of takes me out. Sign now takes me out of the running for being in Rob's corner, even though it's his character. I know he created them, but forever whether it's Spider-Man Deadpool or Deadpool Spider-Man number 47, that's where his first appearance is.
1: Now, I will say this. Uh, it is two. You get two copies because it's two different variant covers for 100 bucks. Right. I don't want you to think it's crazy like $100 for each comic. It's $100 for two comics. Oh, okay. That's It's better. reasonable. But you bring up the good point, of course, because I remember back in the day in your Beckett's or your Wizards or whatever it was for a character where you would see, First appearance and then first appearance full or first appearance cameo or whatever it would be. Because everyone recognizes Incredible Hulk number 181 as Wolverine's first appearance, but he appears in like three panels in 180. And two of those panels are like in shadow. Right. Like he's a mystery character.
0: It works the same way with Cable. Cable. I right. think, in New Mutants. He's a cameo, and then he's in the full issue the next is He's in a little circle, coming next issue, Cable. Right. And that book got hot once Cable got hot. You know what I mean?
1: Right. But then eventually the market figured out, like, no, 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 this is the one that people really want.
0: Now, I think the market figures out which one has a smaller print run, because then it becomes a more expensive book. hmm I, I don't know if I'm explaining it right. I do think sometimes, and now we've seen the, the, in the industry, uh, cause I don't know when comics became a business, Joe, but it would be like, all right, let's find the thing. Like I'm trying to, trying to be like Preacher. Preacher issue one is expensive. It's the first appearance of Jesse Custer. It's the first appearance of this. It's the first appearance of that. No, no, no. There's a, a vertigo preview pamphlet that came out three months beforehand and it has three pages or four pages of each of the new Vertigo comics coming up so technically that's the first appearance of Preacher and those are going for a hundred bucks now it's all the way you could fool people Mm -hmm. into spending a lot of money for something that isn't actually the first appearance if I'm making any sense
1: well that one you know is a great example because it was essentially a freebie that retailers got people got them, probably threw them away. When the retailers didn't give away all of them, the retailers probably threw them away. Then Preacher becomes hot, and it's like, now we got to find every appearance of these characters. And oh, the no, only I, other appearance is that little pamphlet, essentially.
0: Right. Now, I am I may be wrong on that show. I'm thinking of another... It, it is still Preacher, mm-hmm. and it's a book, but it's a book you had to buy.
1: Oh, okay, so it's okay. It's not a
0: pamphlet. It was... Back in the day, Vertigo had... The, do you remember they had like Vertigo a Vertigo Jam
1: or something, right?
0: N- no, it was the Sandman Galleries. Hmm. remember? It was the Sandman Gallery, Vertigo Gallery, uh, other galleries uh, that they had where they would just get artists to do pinups and then charge whatever the book was, a $1.75 back then, whatever, and be like, all right, we're going to put this Vertigo book out, and here's a death gallery. It has Adam Hughes doing a, a death painting. It has uh, Bill... Bill Willingham doing a death painting. Well, they did a vertigo one, which just had random stuff. And in that was the first, I think a Glenn Fabry, uh, or a Steve Dillon. I forget. I have the book, uh, picture portrait of, of the, the preacher. And that came out before issue one. So I bought one cause I was buying everything that was vertigo. So I have one, but they're trying to go like, Oh, well you bought that book. That's the first appearance. And I'm like, no, I, I don't, I, I, it works weird to me. Like I'll, it's it's like a certain type of adult movie. I don't
1: I may not be able to define what it is, but I know it when I see it. What what's the first appearance? Okay, so we're kind of both right and both wrong. So, there was an absolute vertigo. That was a 99 cents, you know, kind of sort of free thing, right? Okay. Has an all new invisible story by Grant, uh Grant Morrison and then a preview of a bunch of new titles, right? Okay. So that goes for a bunch but then even prior to that coming out is Vertigo Gallery Dreams and Nightmares,
0: okay, which has yeah. the pin-up in it. Okay.
1: And that was just a regular, like, kind of, you know, at the time, 1990, whatever, it was like a $3 or $4 book, Um, just kind of unrelated things. And that wasn't the one, like, at, there was a time where both of them were kind of moving in price. Mm-hmm. But then when it was revealed that, like, okay, this one is just a pin-up, this one is an actual preview of the story, that was the one that kind of held its value a little bit more. The absolute vertigo.
0: Sorry, but I knew it was No, no, but again,
1: we were kind of in the same ballpark on it.
0: Right. Because I have both of them because I was buying everything vertigo, you know, like, back then.
1: Now, I know there was one, and it could have been, like, Shadowhawk, maybe, like the Jim Valentino uh, image book that the pre- the the preview of the book was in an issue of previews right so then the issue of previews was selling for money because it was the first appearance of shadowhawk
0: right and i think it was the same way but it they never took off was the first appearance of quantum and woody technically was in a wizard magazine right it was just here's an ad for us you know what I mean? Like and sometimes it takes off, sometimes it doesn't. But I, like I, like if Quantum and Woody because that like they make that movie or TV show and it becomes a huge hit, like that wizard will become worth money. Cuz that's the way it works. And they're even doing it now with like Donnie Cates on Venom with weird little things and what's the other book? Uh that they just did with uh, Imm- uh, Immortal Hulk. Did you see that that like there's a a run of Hulk that uh Al Ewing admitted that he got the idea from this that that uh, Banner was doing a sit-down talking to somebody, he's like, yeah, there's a Hulk in my head that if he ever gets out, he's the worst thing ever, and I call him the Devil Hulk, and I'll never release him, and Al Ewing's like, that's where I got the idea, now that's the first appearance of the Devil Hulk, that's a hundred a $100 book now, Joe oh boy and like I said it before, and I'll say it again when did comics become a business?
1: And I'll I'll just say this, as of the recording of this, of course, you always have to double check the sold listings, because eBay's probably your best uh, gauge of these sort of things, right? Right. The normal cover for Major X number one, not any of the variants, not anything like that, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, not CGC'd, not slab, nothing like that. Eh, like 10 to 15 bucks, Right. Right. Uh, The issue 47 of Spider-Man Deadpool is going for about 30. Well,
0: that's the first appearance.
1: Right. That's the first appearance.
0: Now, what are the covers going for? Do you have any of those?
1: Uh, Let me look.
0: Whatever it was, Deadpool whatever, I guess? Deadpool
1: 10. Now, those because a lot of them are being sold like a lot of people are selling them as like a bundle right right where it's like here's Deadpool 10 major X and Spidey Deadpool 47 right right uh, so I'm just trying to find ones where it's just Deadpool 10 um the Rob covers are up the Rob covers the normal uh covers the not raw like just the normal Deadpool ten is a like about let's say ten to fifteen. Just like the normal, eh, I'm seeing some as low as seven. So let's say seven to eleven.
0: Right. Is that with shipping?
1: Uh no. Okay. A lot of them are free shipping.
0: Okay, so that's what you count. I count when somebody does. That's why I'm asking because when yeah. somebody does, it's a an, an eight dollar book. It's really a four dollar book with four dollar shipping. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way I look at it.
1: Right. So, according to eBay, uh, at the very least, Spider Man Deadpool number 47 is the true first appearance of Major X. And I think there was no malicious intent in that. I just think Rob likes to have control.
0: Right. And I think Rob, with the backlash, is going to bite himself by doing it.
1: Right. And, you know, we've kind of gotten off the beaten path with this, but this is the Streisand effect. If Rob said nothing. This would be a $5 book.
0: Mm-hmm. Or people might not have even noticed for years. Right. You know, like the only people, the only reason people knew it was because he said it. Yes. And then, you know, in 10 years, it would have become a hot book. Been like a real first appearance. So I guess he got out ahead of it, Joe. I guess he's the real genius here. But in the end, he's the guy who's sleeping on a big pile of money. So
1: what do I know? That's true. We don't know anything. So, conventions this weekend, Todd. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a bunch of conventions all over the world, starting as far away as Australia. Uh, the Supernova Con in Gold Coast, Australia. Uh, Nick Spencer and Tom Taylor are going to be there. I think there was another Australia convention last week. And we've mentioned this before this year. There was an Australia one and another one. Where it was like back to back weeks on conventions where it was the same guest list where they just essentially flew everyone out for two weeks. Right. Was it New Zealand? Might have been New Zealand. Might have been like these same people. Uh, but again, it's good money if you can get it. If you, if you can't beat a two week, uh, trip to australia and or new zealand then a weekend trip to us uh to hawaii on some conventions dime is about as good as it's if any
0: conventions want two uh you know like white schmoes to come to australia new zealand to talk about comics or hawaii i know two guys will do it
1: right contact us and we'll give you their numbers (laughs) yes uh, there's the Daytona Beach Comic Con in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, Joe Rubenstein, Mark Texera, Tic- and Tom Lyle. Tom Lyle, underrated late 90s, early 2000s Marvel Spider-Man artist. I'm a
0: huge Texera fan, man. yes. Uh,
1: El Paso Comic Con, we have, uh, Donnie Cates and Frank Cho on the comic book side of things, and Vicky Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And Jake the Snake Roberts will be there.
0: Is it at a casino?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Because he plays, if I have 21, he's got 22, Joe.
1: Right. Now, see, I'm surprised you didn't go for what's in the bag.
0: I went for, I know what's in the bag,
1: Joe. Right. All right. Touche. Uh, Empire State Comic Con in Albany, New York. Uh, Denny O'Neill and Ron Mars on the comic side of things. Uh, Booker's T will be there. Uh, Five-time champion, two-time WWE Hall of Famer right? uh, will be there. Robert Patrick will be there.
0: The the Starfish?
1: No, the T-1000. Oh, okay. And see Thomas Howell, star of Soul Man and nothing else as far as I know.
0: Well, I think everyone should see Thomas Howell. No. Uh,
1: And then the biggie I think this weekend is Steel City Comic Con. Not so much comic book stuff, but in the world of uh, sports and entertainment, Mark Henry and Jim Ross will be there. Oh, the guy from AEW? How dare you? How can I mute that from the show? I've muted it from (laughs) the rest of my life. Remind me about that later. I don't know.
0: Okay. Muting in AEW?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but mm. on the celebrity guest side of things, of course, you've got the big guns coming out this uh, time for Steel City Comic Con. William Shatner. Corey Feldman. <laughs> Rob Schneider. <gasps> Judge Reinhold. <gasps> and Dwight Schultz. <gasps> Murdoch? Ah, see, so s- it almost swore. <laughs> I didn't I take those what- notes out of the notes. <laughs> Sometime... Uh sometime guest host for
0: Rush Limbaugh, Dwight Schultz.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Oh, boy.
0: I was going through the radio stations one day, like, you know, at 1 o'clock, and just punching through them. And all of a sudden, it was like the Rush Limbaugh show. And I'm like, ah, I don't listen to Rush Limbaugh. And it was like, guest host, Dwight Schultz. And I'm like, it can't be Murdoch. It can't. And then he comes on, and he has like this weird like cadence and voice. And he's like, Yes, so you know, from from Star Trek the Next Generation and and the A Team, Dwight Schultz, yes, that is me. And I'm like,
1: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> oh my God. So there you go.
1: Well, I guess I'm glad he's getting some work. Me too. Silver lining, I guess. Uh So the links to all these conventions, of course, will be in the show notes, along with links to soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named network.com or soon-to-be-named network.tumblr.com, uh, where anytime any of these shows uh of, you know, this like-minded group of individuals putting out podcasts about a variety of subjects, whether it be this show, uh whether it be Longbox Heroes After Dark, where we've got not one, not two, but three big topics to tackle <laughs> <laughs> this week. Uh, a lot of opportunities, a lot of tipping. <laughs> uh, and, and a couple of times I derailed the conversation. That's Literally. true. Uh, Podvocacy and Wrestling on the Edge of Forever. I have it on good authority that they did do their homework and there will be an episode of both this week. Ooh. I think Podvocacy's already out. Uh, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever will come out some other time uh puzzle warriors three and there's a special guest that's going to be on this week whether or not uh they've announced it officially or not but my friend and our friend james who did some of the art for last year's after darks when we do kind of like the parody movie posters and so forth uh my friend james uh did some of the art for those big fan of uh irish sports entertainer martina so I'm sure he'll be bringing her up quite a bit on the show. Uh, profane Argument, and Fresher and Parlance threw me off, because they were on a nice bi-monthly schedule, and then they decided to release a new episode three weeks later. I was completely thrown off.
0: They're the doomsday clock of <laughs> yes.
1: podcasts. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I remember a time where they were like, oh, we got to catch up to, uh, I almost forgot the name of the show, uh, Prodigal Sons podcast. Oh, boy. I think they're neck and neck with Podvocacy, but I think Podvocacy might be up on them a little bit. That's your new goal, Fresher and Parle. Catch up to Podvocacy. hmm You ain't catching up to us or After Dark. Oh, Keep boy. dreaming. <laughs> so also over in the show notes, of course, will be some of the digital sales that are going on. A lot of them leftover uh, from this past week. Those Oni sales, those individual sales that they had like on stuff like uh, Rick and Morty. Invader Zim are still going on, uh, Marvel still having their sale on Asgardian Epics, and have also added Marvel Avengers Blockbuster Collection sale, I'm not really sure what that could be in relation to, mm. Uh Dynamite is having a sale on their fantasy books, uh, earmarking Game of Thrones stuff, I assume that's because Game of Thrones returns this weekend. I
0: cannot wait. Yes, it does. The Hound is the only one who should sit rightfully on the Iron Throne.
1: Are you talking about Roman Reigns? I thought this was the... Oh, no, he's the Hound of... The Shield. They're the Hounds of Justice. My apologies.
0: Yeah, he's the Hounds of the Hot Cops.
1: Right. Uh, Image is having a sale, and it's just like one of those deals where it's like, hey, everything's on sale, just don't forget to use this code Uh, when you check out. Dark Horse is having another Hellboy sale. Action Lab still having their sale on... Uh, first issue stuff. Sadly, I'm not able to plug, uh, well, no, is it, how, how long is it going on for? Give me a second here. Uh, DC's doing a sale on like, uh, hard traveling hero stuff. So that's like, uh, 70s Green Lantern and Green Arrow stuff. And there's some really, really good stuff in there to check out, I read. But, I only didn't include it initially because I thought it was just, yeah, it's only a one day sale, so I'm not even gonna mention it. Hopefully, uh, as you're listening to this, you were able to take advantage of the Immortal Hulk sale that Marvel did, where the current run of Immortal Hulk was on sale. Even the issue that just came out this past week was on sale for a buck.
0: Did it have those two first, like, cameo appearances of the, uh, the Devil Hulk?
1: No. Ah. Oh. Uh, you know, they had like the first two, like you can get the first two trades for six bucks together, mm-hmm. or you can get the entire run including up to the book that came out this past week for 16 bucks.
0: Oh, not bad.
1: An unbelievable deal on maybe one of the best comics being published today. I agree. So hopefully you, mi- ho- hopefully you didn't miss that. Uh, and the same freebies uh, that there were last week, I did check at the beginning of the show. they did not button hook me. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd, and let's start of course with the book that we were both most looking forward to coming out this week, which was War of the Realms Number One, uh, written by Jason Aaron with art by Russell Dotterman.
0: Yes, it's been a long road to the, to the War of the Realms and we're finally here and Malekith has decided to, you know, send out some agents and try and kill a bunch of the mayor, major players like Odin and is her name Freya? Uh, Thor's.
1: In my, in my head I say Frasia.
0: Frasia? Okay. Yes. It's like saying Majolner instead of Majolnir. I get, right, I don't know how you say it, but her and the Asgardians that are at, uh, the, in New York with Jane Foster and they are going to end up, like, you know, attacking all of New York. Um, Loki has been attacked and he teleports to Thor and gets Thor to go with him. Something's up there. Thori, the murder dog, knows something's up. Um, And basically, this turns into a giant fight at random places. The Avengers show up to to help New York. Um, I thought this was one of the best, um, like, giant crossovers ever, I believe. Reading it, it's, as I've read Thor, I have all the information that I need. I feel like anything that's going to be a side book, isn't, like, jammed down your throat, like, go read uh, Punisher to see how he gets out of this. I, I just looked at it as a cool little moment to know that Punisher's involved in the War of Realms. Uh, it's succinct. It was, it gave me goosebumps at time because I love the, I love the full on testosterone filled Thor, son of Odin, just going crazy. Like I'm going to murder every last one of you. Uh, I, it looks beautiful with Russell Dotterman's art. Uh, I think this is actually going to be, this kind of quelled my worries about Marvel getting their hands in what probably would have been a smaller story in Jason Aaron's world and making it a big crossover. It fills me with confidence that, you know, it's going to be a biweekly book. We're going to get six. There's going to be no extra issues with a better ending. It's, it's just going to be a solid, good uh, mini series. the six issues that we're getting. If I want to read the other stuff. I have to, but I don't feel that every issue is is major important to the to the mini, if that makes any sense.
1: Right. I have a little bit of a different take on it, but it's all still very positive. A friend of mine actually, when the book came out this past week, had tweeted me, and I, you know, read my books late, and of course with wrestling going on, it was even even later. But he had lamented about, oh no, this is gonna pull me into this, and and I had said to him just kind of what you said, which is, if you're already getting a book. And it crosses over into it. Just keep getting that book. Like this is crossing over into Thor, which I'm already getting, and As Guardians the Galaxy, which I'm already getting,
0: and Avengers also, and right?
1: Avengers also. Two of those or th- uh yeah, two of those three books are written by the guy who's writing the main story, right? So I feel okay. Now, if I look at where it crosses over with all the other miniseries, and they give you enough of a tease in this, like here's Doctor Strange popping up, here's Spider Man popping up. Here's uh, Punisher, and here's this person, and here's that person, and then at the end of the thing, at the end of the issue, there's like here's all the stuff that comes out this month.
0: The checklist, the right.
1: checklist. You want to read these things, you read them. You don't want to read them, I don't think you're going to be held up. Now, I did see with the most recent, the June solicitations, there was like a book or two out of the ten in total that they were like, this is the must read, you know, tie-in, and I'm just like, is it really?
0: I need more information. Like if Jason Aaron's writing it, yeah. then maybe it's a must read. You know what I mean?
1: Right. But now, as you'd mentioned, this is kind of where everything has been building up for the last year plus in in Jason Aaron's store, right? hmm And a lot of times when Jason Aaron is bringing these pieces of the puzzle together, because it's his own book, And because you're already in, he could spend a little bit more time being flowery and giving you all this extra exposition on these characters, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And if if you've been reading the Jason Aaron books, whether it be for the last year, the last two years, the five years that he's been on the book, and we come to War of the Realms number one, you're up to date. You have way more information than you need for this book. But if you gave this book to someone, this is essentially... All of Thor's villains are teaming up, and they're going to take over Earth. That's what this book is, at right. its core.
0: It's a very easy idea to, to get across.
1: Right, it, right. and it's, it's, a, it's a book that comes from origins of complication that could have been inaccessible to new readers, and this is accessible to new readers.
0: I 100% agree. And a,
1: and I think a large part of that is, is there a day will come where Jason Aaron will not be writing Thor, the book I want him to take over is Spider-Man.
0: Oh my God. He was so good on Spider-Man. <laughs>
1: Jason Aaron I... has written extended periods of Spider-Man, including this two other times, a random appearance in Thor and an astonishing Spider-Man Wolverine miniseries. where surprise, surprise time in a Jason Aaron book. What villain do they take on? Is it the eye? And the orb? Yes. The orb. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, so, in those few times that Jason Aaron has written Thor, or the few times that Jason Aaron has written Spider-Man, it, it's hilarious. It's great. He gets Spider-Man just as much as he gets Thor, just as much as he gets Conan, just as much as he gets the characters from the book Scalp. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, having Spider-Man essentially be your everyman character, who's asking the important questions that a new reader to the book may have in a Spider-Man sort of way, I think that gives you that information, just the facts that you need. You don't need the last year to five years of exposition. There's no time. Malekith has brought all of Thor's villains here. Thor is not around. Enough of your prattling, man-spider. We need to get down to business
0: before you lay your eggs um <laughs> but i'm with you basically to make to to make it easier for the listen, the listeners the the spider-man is the companion Ugh. to the doctor in this story i mean that's a much better way of saying it joe
1: the doctor is everyone else in the book spider-man is one or three people depending on what doctor you're talking about uh yes clear, i totally clear as mud
0: yes <laughs> But uh yeah, I like I said, I really like this. Now I have a question for you. Did you listen to the theme song?
1: I did not. Only because when I was uh reading this at work, I'm not able to stream things from my work computer. And then by the time that I got home yesterday from my trials and turbulation, I was in no mood to be streaming theme songs. But I will when we're done here. I'm
0: gonna go out and say it was fantastic. Because it, it, it's not—I'm I'm, going to give a, a little spoiler. Here. It's not a like song, like with lyrics or anything. It is a song, Joe. When they do War of Realms in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Jason Aaron's probably like giving his buddies the rub. <laughs> like they'll use this in the in the movie as like the like the big like uh theme song or whatever. It's it's pretty good for for what it is. Like I was actually like listening to it and I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a Marvel movie. So I I think you'll enjoy it.
1: So War of Realms, I think, uh, War of the Realms, off to a bang and start, I'd say.
0: That's right. You don't want to get the name wrong. Yes. Because they have it right everywhere from all the websites and the <laughs> solicitations and everything.
1: So moving on uh to another book that we discussed a little bit earlier on in the show, Major X number one, uh written and drawn by Rob Liefeld.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's an X story that's shrouded in mystery. A character who's red and black with guns and swords and adamantium comes to our timeline and he's cryptic about why he's here. There's another version of Beast who's not quite like the Beast that we know. And he has important information as well. Everyone's very cryptic until the last two pages.
0: That's right. And not one, but two Deadpools.
1: (laughs) his shoulder pads and pouches?
0: Yeah, that way we know the
1: difference. Oh, um, boy. Okay. Go ahead. Was this a bad comic book? No. Yes. Was this a good comic book? No. No. Uh, was this a comic that was written and drawn by Rob Liefeld? 1,000%. percent mm mm-hmm. uh, This felt about as 1991 of a comic book as you could guess. Mm,
0: that's the highest bar you can give something. If
1: you miss that era of comic books, then this is the book for you. Uh, I'll maybe give you two a try because they're double shipping it this month. I guess you didn't uh, find the same nostalgic kitsch in this book that I did, Todd.
0: I know we try to stay positive. This was a convoluted mess. <laughs> This was, this, okay, and I I just have to say, because I'm not an X person, and I I run from the X stuff, this is as convoluted, it's not even, it's like, like, hey, it's not even an alternate future, we're an alternate side dimension future, I'm like, all I I don't know, I don't know, and then sometimes the writing, like you said, if you miss 90s Marvel writing, this is for you, I don't miss 90s Marvel writing. I tried it because we did it for the show. Um, I think, you know, Rob was, you know, the okayest of his art I've ever seen. And that's all I really have to say about it.
1: Right. Uh, and I'm kind of in the same ballpark as Todd where X books typically tend to be a jumbled mess to me. Not being an X person, this book seems to go out of its way to be like, You think those X-Books are jumbled. Hold my beer. (laughs) That's right. (sighs) But again, it was an interesting cliffhanger. Uh, I'm intrigued to see where the next step goes. So I'm at least hanging in there for issue two. Mm -hmm. And that's about it.
0: I just have to say... My personal appearance, the one thing that I know about this book is there was two Deadpools and no swearing. That's not a Deadpool book.
1: (laughs) I'm not reading this. I'm not reading this. Well, this was a pre-R-Double world where Deadpool didn't need to swear or a pre-Joe Kelly Deadpool where Deadpool was not funny. Um, He was just a guy who said things in a yellow word balloon. Right. So, you know... If like Rob, check this out. <laughs> That's all. Uh, so the other book, uh, speaking of books that have some discrepancy regarding how they're numbered, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 18. Huh. Or if you go to Marvel's website, it's 18.1. But it also has a picture of it right there that says it's 18. Huh. Okay. And I'm saying huh, it's H-U, which is the abbreviation for hunted. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Again, listen, it's Spider-Man. He gets a pass. He can kind of do whatever he wants.
0: Well, that's right. The spider check cleared in Joe's universe. That's
1: right. Uh, But no, I kid because I love, and we talked about this as we were talking about this storyline starting, uh, that these HU books are going to be focusing on one of the villains that were kidnapped by Kraven, For his big hunt that he's having, the final hunt, if you will, which we didn't talk about the the real kickoff of this, which essentially is Craven hires the Black Ant, formerly irredeemable Ant-Man, Aaron O'Grady Ant-Man, who's really an LMD. Okay,
0: it's it's confusing. Go ahead, keep right.
1: And Taskmaster to go go around and like collect up every animal-based villain and or hero in the Marvel universe. And he's cl- kind of closed off Central Park. He's dropped them all in there, and has, th- with the assistance of Arcade, has a bunch of like you can, what do you, what, do you, what do you call it? Um, uh, virtual reality yourself into these crave robots, right? And you can go and hunt the most deadly game: Spider-Man sure. villains.
0: That's right, and you can upgrade your armor, and there's a whole bunch of purchasing stuff. Right, it's an interesting take. I have to admit.
1: Right, so that's you know the 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 front part of the story, but obviously the back part of the story is is that Craven uh, has also brought Spider Man here to hopefully end it once and for all, whether it be the rivalry with Spider Man or as Craven has done in the past, where he feels it's his destiny. To be defeated permanently by Spider Man. Right. Um, he kind of brings up in one of the issues that he has been brought back and brought back of after all of these times that Spider Man has been defeated, and he just wants peace. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is a very elaborate way for him to go about it. I,
0: and I honestly think there's something more up with his plan. Of course. Be- Right, and because he the whole part about it was to 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 uh with all these hunters, these rich hunters who go safaring and go to you know like you know poach animals and stuff, he's like there's a way to stop this too, and he's so and also get into circle power I have to admit i, I That part of it, the plan hasn't come to fruition yet. I'm curious that what Spencer has going on with all this, and it's very, I find it very interesting.
1: Right, and that's the other thing, of course, is you know with these ancillary issues that they have here, they're all written by Nick Spencer, who is the main creative force behind the current Amazing Spider-Man run. With different artists, this one specifically Ken Lashley, who has done Spider-Man stuff before, and this essentially is an issue about the Gibbon. You know the Gibbon, right? He's one of the few Spider-Man villains that I know a lot about. Oh, okay, because I and I I pitched this to you because you're like, hey, read this Spider-Man book, guy who reads Spider-Man books.
0: Right. Well, you told me to put it to the what to put to the top because you were very busy. Right. Um, I didn't know if you would it would go to the top, but uh, basically I I I know the Gibbon from when he was who was the uh, my brain is fr- right was it Dematis who was writing. That that spider man run where it was the gibbon and uh who was the other character Grizzly. Uh- grizzly yes and they were running around and everything like trying to be heroes and everything one of the best most fun i ever had reading comics so when i was like oh the, the the gibbon i know and he mentions that era and how the gibbon or how grizzly now is you know off doing something because in the past nick spencer book of uh ant-man he went to work for ant-man and everything but this is the the life of the gibbon and it's a very s- sad sad life and and by the end of this you're just, your heart is just pouring out for the gibbon I don't know this to me, this was a very like as I was like, oh, it's gonna be an amazing spider-man huh book. and it in the end, it got me to, to, even though I liked the Gibbon, care even more about the Gibbon Gibbon by the end. So I don't know how to explain it, but I, like I said, it's just him being hunted and then thinking over his life story, how he's gotten here and how he's gotten shafted uh over and over and over again and he he gave whether he's going to get the shaft by the end of this book and whatever. I just, like I said, I really, I really felt for him as the book went on.
1: My only lament about this uh was I would have liked a little bit more explanation as to why the gibbon initially looked the way that he did.
0: Uh, I get you. The only thing that I took it for, he wasn't a mutant or anything like that. He was just a person who looked know.
1: a lot like an ape.
0: Yeah, that was it. He was just, you know, you know, he was just looked different, and I, I think that's one of the things that Marvel did great, like especially when they hit the Silver Age with any character, is, uh, you know, just being the outsider, the outcast, the 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 different person, and the given, you know, in a weird way, you felt from who who hasn't felt that they're that they that they're different than everybody else, right. and he just is.
1: And I I just think as though it could have just had a little throw like it's one thing to look different but it's another thing to be drawn almost exactly re- resembling an ape you know
0: right but even then they showed him he he would he didn't have like fur all over his body he ended up putting the gibbon costume on as when he joined the circus right of course. Right, so, like, I look at it as he's just a guy who didn't have the the pleasing good looks of a Brad Pitt,
1: if you will. Oh, okay. Uh, anywho, I just would have like a little explanation, like, even if they just had a throwaway line of, like, oh, my dad worked under power lines, or...
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> a, a train derail that's poured chemicals all over the place.
1: Sure. Will I use my powers for good or evil? Yeah. I don't know. I don't yes. know. It's
0: a given fact that I'll use them for good.
1: Okay. Okay. Nope, not even addressing that. What? Right. So, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that came out this past week. Or that are coming out, uh, that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them shipped to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out, and be ready to get all the books that you want, like Todd, who's getting a ton of books, me, who's not getting so, so many books. Right. Uh, so, looking over, oh, so, uh, Todd is in the lead with one correct guess over me. Uh, looking over your list, I know Symbiote Spider-Man is because it's written by Peter David. Yes, it is. Supergirl twenty nine. What's the reason for that on the list?
0: Um, that's Mark Andreco.
1: Uh, taking over the book first issue. No, he's been
0: drawing drawing it since uh issue tw- i'm gonna say 22 ish i don't know he was doing it and he started his run with uh a certain artist but the initials km if you know what i'm mm-hmm. talking about and then they've had like rotating artists on it but i was a mark Andraco fan you know what i mean
1: okay i just haven't noticed if that's been on the list for a while so
0: that's been on it since like 22 ish okay. 21 19, i don't know somewhere around there
1: all that being said uh i think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is wonder twins number three
0: it is not Wonder Twins number three. It is Symbiote Spider-Man by uh, Peter David. Really? Yes. Look at you, uh,
1: Mr. Spider-Man, man.
0: I, this one is more of I miss Peter David, and I don't think Peter David has had a book that I read. The last book by Peter David I read was Spider-Man 2099, the newest version, and that really petered out, if you will. No pun intended. Bam, right. bam, bam, bam. <laughs> It petered out, and I... And, and then even like slightly before that, whatever he was writing, I I didn't I didn't really enjoy. So I'm hoping this will rekindle my uh, my Peter David love of of comics. So I don't even care that it's like the symbiote era of Spider Man before he knew it was Venom uh symbiote thing. I just ho- hopefully get a good Peter David comic. I'm looking over your books. And is the book you're looking forward to most Web of Venom, Cult of Carnage?
1: No, it is number not. One. It is, is it Wonder Twins number three? It is Wonder Twins number three.
0: I should have said Wonder Twins number three, Joe. You should have.
1: I, I kind of yeah. changed just a little bit there. Uh, But I will say, uh, Web, I, I'm always cautious with the Venom tie-in books. Uh, Only because typically, you know, Cullen Bun has taken over for a couple... Uh, issues when Donny Cates is kind of more focused on some Guardians of the Galaxy stuff that's going mm-hmm. on, and these separate web of etc etc books, I'm always a little leery on. Mm-hmm. But this one uh, is written by Frank Thierry. Oh, okay. and it is very much tying into a lot of the stuff that happened in the previous Web of Venom one that was written by Donny Cates okay uh this one is tying in to that big summer carnage event uh where if you remember i think we talked about it where every person who's ever been touched by the symbiote or worn a symbiote right is somehow going to be able to be controlled by carnage
0: Okay, I wasn't sure what that was going to be, but I know I thought it was going to be he was going to be hunted for like maybe they still carry the, an essence of a symbiote or something.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I but either way, sounds cool.
1: But I like Frank Thierry, he's a good guy. Yes. So that's um, pull post. While you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, be sure to check out everything else that's over there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, be sure to check out the store where you can buy shirts, stickers, and pins with our fancy logos uh, on them. Also, we have a Tee Public store with not only the full-color Longbox Heroes design, but lots of other inspired designs from this show and from At Odds with Wrestling, of course, uh, where you can purchase those shirts there at very... Happy to have them on a dedicated site that I could be somewhat proud of until someone buys a shirt from them and complains, and then I have to put them on blast as well. But hopefully, for that to happen, someone needs to buy a shirt first. Hint, hint.
0: And I ended up seeing a beautiful Who Enthusiast shirt that was apparently in lovely, scenic New Jersey.
1: Yes. Beautiful downtown Jersey City, where there were no dumpsters or fires
0: exactly and even (laughs) a pleasing pink who's enthusiast shirt yes (laughs) which i'm glad i fought for that option
1: (laughs) oh boy uh so todd did we have any art attacks this week
0: we did not have any art attack, art attacks this week.
1: Good, because that will give me an opportunity to talk about all the stuff that was purchased through our Amazon Click-Through this past week, which is at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Don't want a shirt, don't want a sticker, don't want a pin, don't want any of those other fancy designs. You'd always help us out by purchasing all of your purchases through our Amazon Click-Through. Get a couple cents in the back-end, advertising fee, whatever it is that they call it. I just know at the end of the month when I send Todd uh, that half of his his half of the money, it makes his day.
0: Cha-ching!
1: So, some of the notable purchases uh, through the Amazon click-through this past week was someone purchased uh, Marvel Spider-Man Astonish Curtains. Ooh! Uh, somebody also purchased a, and again, these two are—they're getting the full retreatment because, <laughs> again. It is a Phantoria sea animal world, animal figure, desktop decoration, imitation ornament, animal model toys, gift for kids, children. And then in parentheses, it says crab red. It's a giant plastic crab. Uh, I I
0: have a joke I'm not
1: going to do. Right. Uh, The other thing was the Hot Fix Applicator DIY Hot Fix rhinestone Applicator Wand Setter Tool Kit with seven different size tips, tweezers, and brush cleaning kit, and two-pack Hot Fix Crystal Rhymestones, 1,440 uh, 1, stones each.
0: That might be for somebody who works the range. Mm-hmm. Because they'd be a rhinestone Cowboy. Right.
1: Uh, and then somebody also purchased, uh, the Venomized Funko Pops of Hulk, Iron Man, and Captain America. And man, they look really cool.
0: Are they Venomized?
1: They are Venomized. Oh. And I've already, listen, I've already pre-ordered a Terry Taylor Red Rooster action figure this week. (laughs) Don't make me have to get these as well.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) Is he the one that has
1: the, the the hashtag? No, like, how dare you. Stop it. I don't know,
0: you said there's a, what's his name, Terry I
1: Rooster? Said, uh, he's the Red Rooster, he doesn't have another name.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sure he has a hashtag
1: mm-hmm. on a certain day, though. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. And last but not least, uh, I'm I'm going to guess the same person purchased Outlet Plug Covers, uh, Phillips Advent uh, BPA-Free Pacifier 3-Pack, and the newbie ice gel teether key ring. Ooh. I assume that's someone who's going to be uh, expecting a child or has a child that has teeth coming in. Yeah,
0: be proud of that child.
1: All right. Enough of that. So. Being good. You better be. <laughs> so. Uh, we're gonna get into discussion of yesterday's episode, or Monday's episode, of Legends of Tomorrow and Shazam, in some order, so if you did (laughs) not see them, don't want them spoiled, what have you, of course, we bid you adieu, thanks for listening, Longbox Heroes, episode 445, and uh, yeah, we'll give you a second. So, where would you like to begin?
0: I don't know. I figure the TV show.
1: Okay. So, this week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow, Mm -hmm. uh, entitled The Getaway, where uh, Biff Tannen, (laughs) that's his name, uh, Nate's dad decides he is going to make it his goal to bring down the Legends. Because the legends allowed uh the werewolf to escape. What's his name?
0: Kofe? Uh, I
1: was gonna say omniprozol, but that's the uh antibiotic my kid's taken. Okay. Uh they allowed him to escape, and they're also harboring the fugitive Mona, who also is a uh CGI werewolf.
0: Right. He's she's Nicole Bass Cope. Oh
1: <laughs> my goodness. R.I.P. Nicole Bass, by the way. Yes. So we have that going on, but also there is a timeline aberration that they have to take care of because wouldn't you know, Todd, Richard Nixon, a.k.a. Tricky Dick, is telling truths. And by by him telling truths, it's going to ruin so much. Everything from the fall of governments to Robert Redford never becoming Robert Redford.
0: That's right, Gus. Butch and Sundance and
1: independent film,
0: they're going to save all that. And I love the fact that they said, oh, we've done it for less. So <laughs> for dumber reasons.
1: Uh, so this was a much more fun episode uh, in the league of a lot of other episodes that we've seen before. Right. Right. Uh, last week's episode was OK. This one felt like it was a more fun, more interpersonal stuff with the our main characters. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That being said, uh, the guy who they had playing Richard Nixon was perfect, spot on. Okay. Voice was good. The look was terrible. What? Just shameful. He shaked his
0: jowls. He shook his jowls. That's all you need. But he
1: had no jowls.
0: But he was a younger Nixon. He was the, the felt, a slender reed of a Nixon. No.
1: So, uh, but the voice was good. The performance was not so good. And it, it was nothing on him. It was just he didn't... It, I didn't feel like it was the Nixon I know. Right. From, so, you know. Uh, we'd men- I mentioned before about um, Mona becoming a CGI werewolf. Mm-hmm. And those transformation sequences... Fall- and I sit-, I sit here and I think to myself... I go, in 1981... American Werewolf in London won an Academy Award for its <laughs> practical effect transformation of the werewolf, right? Mm-hmm. Surely you have enough money to do this, okay? They don't! Because they don't. the CGI looks terrible, and then the costume that the not Nora, not Mona wears is also mm-hmm. terrible.
0: Right. Well, don't forget. They were like, all right, well, we're going to go, we're going to, like, I could see this in the writer's room and the budget people and everything. We're going to go back in time to the 70s. We're going to get with Nixon, this and that. And he's like, so, like, Ray's going to have his armor on and Mick is going to be shooting his flames all over the place. We're going to have, you know, like, like you said, practical effects for the werewolf change. And they're like, no. So what can we have? We can screen print you T-shirts for all the characters. <laughs> That's it. Yep, that's all you can get. Then I laughed. I said, my biggest problem with this whole episode, and there was some heart, like, like uh, heartfelt stuff in this. Good acting, as far as I was concerned, where like Sarah was pouring her guts out when she had the truth. Beetle talking about how like Ava, you know, it broke up with her and she's destroyed and and other stuff. It, that was good. And then you know the the uh, uh, Nate and Biff Tannen having a touching moment, getting together, even though Nate's you know. He, Getting information off them so he can break into their email. I, I liked it. I liked all that, but the biggest waste is that this was supposed to be the 1970s Smokey and the Bandit episode of Legends of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. We we got the Transam at the end, and but when Nate and Biff take over the cop car and somehow both get sheriff uniforms for some reason out of nowhere. And they get in the car and he's he's doing Buford T. Justice and Junior and they're driving around and they're chasing the they should have been the the Trans Am running blockade for the getaway uh, RV and everything. And the name of this episode should have been Smokey and the Time Bandits. That that's it. We're done. You missed everything that you should
1: have done for this episode. OK, now I don't want you to think that I didn't like this episode because I did. Right. Even with its with its problems and warts and all, but Todd, mm-hmm. I have to I have to mention to you the part. And of course, there's the whole thing as you had mentioned with the the bug that makes you tell the truth and all that other stuff, right? right. And they do a bunch of cute things where it goes around to everybody else. And did you mention about how Heatwave uh, Rory said that he wants hair like Fabio? No, we didn't,
0: and okay. we didn't mention Neron Neera either.
1: Okay, so. There's a scene, Todd, and I want you to go back. I don't know what service you were able to watch this show on, okay? Right. Uh, the part where the not Buford T Justice, uh, sheriff pulls them over initially, right? Right. And he's grilling, uh, Ray. And Ray is like, I've never lied before, and he's lying poorly. Right. They do, so they do the two shot of him and Sarah in the RV. They do the two-shot of him and the sheriff. Then they do the one-shot of Ray close-up. I want you to go back. Right. And I want you to look at those shots of the close-up. They gave Ray Palmer the funky Superman Justice League upper lip. They're covering up a mustache or some sort of facial hair that he has. You can't tell in the two-shots... But in the one shot where it's the close-up of him, there's something going on in his upper lip, Todd. And it and it was messing me up. It took me out of the episode.
0: Oh, my God. There's something.
1: And, and it was bad. It was really bad special effects to cover up what's ever on his upper lip.
0: Maybe it's a wound.
1: I, I don't know, Todd. He's got a, got a raccoon mustache-shaped wound. wound. He's got a raccoon wound. Oh, my goodness.
0: I, I don't know. I just look at it as I'll go back and watch it. And I'll, and you know what? While you're editing this show, I'll go watch it. And you'll get a text as soon as I see it. So. All right.
1: So I, I'm just looking at his IMDb, and he just did finish production on some film called Anastasia. Right. Where he plays, he plays Sar Nicholas. Ooh. Now, there's no set photos that have him in them, but I'm looking to see if there's one that has him with a mustache.
0: I'm looking up Tsar Nicholas to see if he had a mustache. Mm-hmm. Most Russian Tsars had mustaches, though.
1: Right. It does not. Have, no, on the movie poster, he he does not have a mustache.
0: Well, then you don't know what you're talking about.
1: I don't know. Go back and watch that there's something up with his upper lip.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I might even take a screen cap and All see right. what what's what.
1: But uh, Legend of Tomorrow was exactly where it needed to be. No, uh, Outside of the bad uh, costume effects in the werewolf, no bad uh, wigs in this episode. Right. So I guess let's discuss Shazam. Right. Which Todd and I saw their opening weekend. Yes. Because I had a premonition, as mentioned on After Dark last week, that I would not get a chance to see see it this weekend. However, I actually probably had a bit of control over that. So uh, you listening to this show probably know what Shazam is all about. Uh, The Wizard Shazam... Gives his powers to a young boy, uh, Billy Batson, who, by saying the name Shazam, gets struck by lightning, and he gets these powers and becomes the world's mightiest mortal. Right. And there's your movie. You get a bunch of stuff about uh, foster homes. You get a whole subplot with Dr. Savannah and uh, a bunch of other stuff as well. hmm So, you know, we can kind of go all over the place with this. What did you think of the movie? What else would you like to cover? That sort of thing.
0: Basically, what I thought of the movie was I only thought it was okay. Um I really think... Um I, I'm I'm not a fan. I guess they wanted to change up Savannah and obviously Jeff Johns did that in his new fifty two run where Savannah isn't like the nerdy little, you know, uh thick glasses uh scientist that, that we all that we've always seen. He's a bigger guy. He's Sinestro from that really good Green Lantern movie, Mark Strong. Just as as we go. I'm like, okay, I'm not a fan of that change. And he kind of went with, they kind of went with the Jeff Johns new 52 run of uh, the family. But like, to me, I think the tone of it was wrong, not wrong, but they tried to go like goofy because you know what, it's a young boy in a, in a man's body with this, the mind of a child, not a child, but a, a, a younger kid with, you know, a superhero's body and what they're going to do. I'm fine with all that. But then it got like dark at times a lot with the Savannah storyline and everything. And I just feel like if you're going to go with, Cap- like if any version, the Shazam can DC Captain Marvel. That's the one where you should just went right into like the goofiness, the, the over the top, you know, like uh almost like the guy who plays uh Patrick Warburg kind of a thing. Like, I don't know. I didn't like uh, Freddie Freeman. I thought he we were supposed to be like, oh, he's a kid. Obviously, he's disabled. Who's jealous of what's happened to Billy? But at no point did I ever like Freddie at, at all. I totally disliked him. Even when he did the, like, he even was using Captain Marvel. Uh, Bill, Billy's superhero thing as like, he's like, Oh, like we can't tell anybody your secret identity. Uh, you can't let them know that you know anybody unless I need it to be cool. And I was like, and he's yelling at Billy. And I'm like, no, you're, you're the wrong one in the situation. I don't know. All around, I just thought it was a, a really mixed up movie as what they were trying. Like I, to me, the jokes didn't land where I was like, okay, this is just. Uh, a superhero movie until the one thing that I really popped for was basically the last like five seconds of the movie. And that, w- and uh, all in all, I just only thought it was okay.
1: What did you think? Uh, I, okay. So after the movie was over, Todd and I did not discuss the movie. Right. Uh, Cause typically whenever I, I'm sure you go to a movie, you discuss it with anyone, but we both subconsciously knew we need to wait for the show to talk about it. Right. Okay. So, I thought this movie was Mm I. It was all right. It was fine. Uh, There's definitely a case of Emperor's New Clothing when it comes to the DC Universe movies. The fact that while this is a a very uneven film, there's very few likable characters in the film, that it's so drastically different than all the other DC movies before it. Mm -hmm. You know, and say what you will, because I really liked Wonder Woman, I really liked Aquaman... The rest of them ain't so good, but I think the fact that like this came along after those movies, people are like, Hey, this isn't that bad. You know, and I see so many people praising this movie for its humor and it's this and it's that and everything else like that. And I'm just like, Okay, maybe it's not for me. Now I will also say, as an old man who is a parent, they do sure swear a lot in this film. I
0: don't think they swore a lot.
1: Okay. How I don't many want to say that were... I kept a mental note, but they say the S word ten times in the movie.
0: That's nothing these days. Okay,
1: now, when you talk about, you, you know, you and I who grew up watching movies like Goonies and Gremlins and other movies like that where there were PG movies that had tons of swearing in them as well. In my superhero movies, I'll give you one, maybe two. When we're up to double digits... I'm like, alright. And there's like a lot of like flipping people off in the movie. Uh, and I'm like, okay. I get, you know, you gotta appeal to the teens and stuff and that's fine. But, again, this is a movie with my kid watching stuff on YouTube. This is a movie that was being pushed kids. And my son was like, I really want to go see this. Because I saw a couple scenes. Like, I think there was a... The scenes that they were pushing to the younger kids were, um... You know, obviously, I think some of the stuff in the trailer where Freddie first finds out and they go and they're doing the zap into the phones and they go to the convenience store and he shows up into the, shows up to him in the window. But also for kids, there's like a little bit of the interplay where the younger foster daughter finds out and she has to keep the secret. Mm-hmm. My kids, like that's, my kids saw that scene in a trailer and he thought it was the funniest thing he ever saw.
0: Sure, because your kid don't know how to keep a secret.
1: Right, exactly. So, I didn't mind the change in Dr. Savannah, because I have no attachment to Dr. Savannah, and I doubt anyone does. And whether he was Dr. Savannah or a made-up new villain for the movie, I thought the villain was really good with a purpose, where uh, he and his family were driving when they were younger, his dad, the great... John Glover, uh, star of Gremlins 2 and Smallville and Batman and Robin and dozens of other things. Scrooge. Scrooge. yes. Uh He's driving the car and they're unnecessarily mean to this boy, obviously, and he wants the escape. And he gets chosen, but then he gets rejected to become Shazam. And he spends the rest of his life tracking down other people who had the same thing so that he could figure this whole thing out. So I thought the villain actually had a really good motivation in the film. But he's still the villain. You know that he's bad. You know that he's evil. And you mentioned about some of, like, the tone of the movie. The guy who directed this movie also directed, like, a bunch of those Annabelle Christians movies.
0: You could see that when uh, Savannah goes to get his revenge on his family.
1: Yeah. Like, that's a dark scene, man. Right. And I have, to, and, you know, we mentioned about the, the, the relationship between Lee and Freddy. And then, of course, so we'll get to that in a second. Second, And then the whole thing of, like, Billy's a foster kid, uh his mom left him at the fair, or whatever it was, they got separated, so he really wants to find the mom, he ends up finding the mom, and it turns out that the mom was just, like, a teenage mom who's like, yeah, I'm comfortable with just, like, leaving my kid at this thing and walking away like now, i could see if it was like an infant that like ten commandments style you put in a basket and send down the river but like this was a kid who could like walk and talk and formulate sentences and she just abandons him i
0: i'm with you but i and actually no you know what i'm going to i'm going to say i'm not with you on that i that to me was my favorite part of the movie okay and not because I enjoy seeing a kid abandoned by his mother. You know that is a good laugh occasionally, but uh, it's good for yucks. Yeah, no. What I really did like about the scene, the the stuff with that, is I thought the director did a a fabulous job on this of the whole way Billy sees that day and the way the mother saw that day. Mm-hmm. Like where he's like. Oh, Billy, like, and she's saying stuff like she's trying to get the the, g- the giant tiger, which there was a lot of tiger stuff in this movie, Joe. Um,
1: oh, uh, oh, you, do you think that might
0: pl- come up in the sequel? Uh, it might, it might, they might catch a tiger by the tail, but, uh, uh, just as, as it goes, I was like, okay. And then she, she it was gruff from her side and all great, all great, but I'm, this is the part that I'm with you on. That's, it's not for a captain marvel movie it's it's not it's not shazam like i don't even remember what and i'm not against changing stuff in a movie but it's like like billy was an orphan who lived on the streets and he and he was a smart kid and he got around but he was still good good and you know his parents didn't abandon him. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, though I do really think they did a good job of like showing it and just that she was a bad person all around. The kid remembered her like your your memories as a kid are 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 hazy, and he's remembering her as a good person, and she wasn't. And it was a gut punch when it happened. But like like I say, it's not the place for a in a Captain Marvel movie. Like that's the childish wonder. Uh, superhero as opposed to everything else out there. You could go dark with anything
1: else and I don't care, but like Captain Marvel, no. Okay. So, and again, I, I will admit a lot of that is because of me being a parent, I, I, I totally get that. And I, I see that and say that occasionally to you, you know that, but go ahead. Okay. So, uh, and, uh, I will give credit where credit is due. The guys over at red letter media, when they did their review of Shazam, which obviously saw afterwards, uh they said, if you took the superhero stuff out of this movie, you could re-edit this film as a very touching coming-of-age story about foster families. That's not a bad way of putting it. I'd agree with that. Right. So, I have two huge problems with this movie. So, the movie isn't, like, too terribly long. I think it's, like, two hours and change, like, two hours, ten minutes, whatever. That's too long for a Captain Marvel movie, okay. but go ahead. So... But it didn't feel like it was too long, right? Yeah,
0: to me it did. But go okay. ahead.
1: So there's a part after, and we're gonna get into like kind of deep spoilers here, okay? Mm-hmm. So um, there's a part where um, Shazam Billy is showing off with his powers after him and Freddy have a whole thing where Freddy's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Shazam show up here tomorrow to get these bullies off his back." As Todd mentioned, this is like, oh, well, we can't tell anyone unless it benefits you. Um, There's a point where, like, Freddie is not – they're, like, both kind of, like, jerk teenager kids. And then eventually the powers make uh, Billy less of a jerk, but the powers make Freddie more of a jerk. It's not like – but it's not like Billy's, like, this great redeemable character because he's still, like, charging for selfies and, like, doing stupid stuff like this, Right. Right. He's not doing anything totally destructive until he does where he accidentally causes the bus accident to come off the bridge, which he ends up saving, which is fine. Then him and free have the big blow up. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the news cameras catch it. And in the blow up, Freddie specifically mentions, uh, you were being a bully with your powers. And at no point in the movie, like yes, he was being a jerk. Yes, he was using them for like personal and selfish gain. And the only time that he was a bully was because Freddie asked him to ruin those kids' car. Other than that, he wasn't being a bully. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, was there a scene cut where he was being a bully that Freddie's referring to? So I'm like sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, did I miss something?
0: I remember that, and I'm with you, because I'm like, he wasn't really a bully. The only thing I can think of is, in the end, and they try to do it, that, like, Freddie was a jerk before the power. Cause he, he kinda had that thing, but the powers made Freddy more of a jerk as far as I'm concerned. And he tries to say at the end, he's like, yes, I am jealous. Why wouldn't the kid has trouble walking and is, you know, disabled or whatever, not be jealous of you getting all this power? I, of course I would want it. And I'm like, that all makes sense? Like, all the pieces are here, but you put them together all wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you could say that's the reason he said that, but it doesn't make any sense. And you really have to stretch to get there. And that's my my problem with the movie is there's a lot of stretching to get where we need. And that's one of the big things for me.
1: So another part is there's the big part at the end where Billy is attempting to fight Dr. Savannah. And it's this whole thing of like, you hold the staff and you're going to transfer the power to me. Mm -hmm. And then Billy figures out, well, if I have my foster family hold the staff, I could share my power with them.
0: Right, there were seven thrones, so you could share the power with seven people.
1: Right, so he shares the power with five people. And each one gets part of his power. Like, Freddy gets the flight. And uh, the little girl, Darla, gets the super speed. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the Asian kid who's like the video game guy, he he gets the super strength.
0: No, he gets the electrics. Oh, electricity he gets the electricity. Because uh, the the Hispanic kid got the strength.
1: Right. Uh, what did what what power did Mary get? She was. I get what you're
0: gonna say, but she got the wisdom.
1: Was not made clear?
0: What, it wasn't made clear, but I. Like in my mind, that's one of the things you have to stretch for is she was the smart one. The school, the school, one? she got in, they were going to amp, they, they amplified kind of a little bit of everything that somebody had, you know what I mean? Like the, the young girl had all that pent up energy and she was like, you know, all over the place. So she got the speed and the only thing I could have like, if she had been, if she was the one who figured it out with the wisdom of Solomon, how to beat pulled uh billy then you could have did that but i think they're like we can't take the big uh the the credit for defeating savannah away from billy if that makes any sense
1: ah, you could have her be the one that figures it out and they work together as a team and that's how they get it done
0: i agree i'm with you on that but i look at it as the way people look at making movies do you know what i mean yep but that being said i'm not a fan of the way they do it in the movies. Like when I read the Jerry Ordway version, it still worked with his family when they said Shazam, like Freddie, Mary, and there was a like they didn't get into the, the cousins and everything that they had. But uh the way it was with Freddie and Mary was was all right, I'm Captain Marvel, I say Shazam, I have a hundred percent of Shazam's power. When Freddie Says Shazam too, and he, or he says Captain Marvel back in the day. We'll get into that at some point. But he turns in, we split the power 50-50, and then, uh, Mary would get it, it would be one third, and it was uh, the equivalent that anytime he shared it, it would take a percentage away. And then he would tell them, like, you have to change back, I need it all to defeat whatever I'm gonna do. I really liked it that way. The point of where he does it with the seven people, and the the, the powers, like you said, the, the lightning, the super strength, the, I like it the other way, if that makes any sense, but you can't really show that on film the way you would explain it. I don't know, but
1: I, I just like the comic book, the original comic book version better. If, uh, right. If you, uh, no, I get it. And I just wish they were el- just, and again, these are things that uh, you just need one line of dialogue. I, i'm
0: with you but of that sharing it with the family the little girl who got the speed i have to admit i liked her as a character as the young girl yeah and i liked her as the character as the captain marvel version yep because the the older actress who played who played it young she did a spot-on like version of that little girl like where she's talking to santa claus and there's no better santa claus in this movie who's just kept getting whipped and he has a uh but he has a beep-filled tide rate of cursing at the end. And you want Santa Claus cursing in the movie. But I did like the that version of the Captain Marvel. And she's way better than the cinematic universe Flash running around, so as a speedster.
1: All in all, though, again, meh, not as good as Wonder Woman, not as good as Aquaman, still better than any of the other recent DC movies. Which isn't right. saying much, but that's what this is.
0: And then Superman showed up at the end.
1: Right. And that and again Not to make a joke, that was definitely really Superman. That was really Henry Cavill.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Not just a guy in a suit.
0: But basically it comes down to the the thing I liked most about the Shazam movie was when Shazam said Shazam and turned into Shazam. That was the best part.
1: (laughs) Um, This would definitely be a movie that I would let my kid watch when he's a little bit older. There you go. And
0: this is a movie... I'll slip to your kid when you're not looking. Oh,
1: boy. <laughs> he's old enough. I guess. I hope so. Maybe. I don't know. Right. No, he's but, not. <laughs>
0: so. I think the next movie we'll probably be seeing is uh, Endgame. That's the next one
1: on the list. Right. And there's uh, yeah. some some discussion about that on After Dark this week.
0: Right. And no cloak and dagger because Joe had to <sighs> eat pizza and wings and couldn't watch it.
1: And WrestleMania. Oh, was that this weekend? Yes, it was.
0: I know it?
1: Uh-huh. Is there a way I could watch it again? Well, well you can subscribe to the award-winning uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Network where you could watch it anytime you want. Let me get right on that. I I, can we end the show now
0: so I can go do that?
1: Yes, let's end the show now. So okay. uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 445 of Long Box Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week.
0: Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo! Boop!